I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. At last, we see each other plain. Hey, Monsieur Le Maire, you'll wear it. That, honestly, just the best. Sorry, I, I, I wasn't expecting to sing that to you. But, that was very uh, good. I was just uh, walking down Marylebone Road to yeah. get here, okay, running very fast to get here. You were late because you were jet-lagged. <laughs> jet-lagged, Alfie Bo. First thing uh, I said, though, was I can't lie. I, I've just got to admit to the jet-lag. <laughs> but I was singing the confrontation, so I do all of them yeah. from Les Mis. Right. Not very well. We do. I do it with the girls in the kitchen. We all take parts, mm. but I like to do all the parts. But I was singing <laughs> it, walking down Marylebone Road, yeah. and I was realised I was singing it out loud, and people were singing it with me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Oh, oh, that's brilliant. I'll have to try that. Have you not what? You haven't ever sung out loud in the street? <sighs> Alfie Bow has no. not sung out walking along. Not when people are not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> have you never just done that? I'm going to now. You're going to do it straight after this? Yes, straight after this. I'm going to stand in the middle of King's Cross yes! and, and scream it out. Oh, yes, I'm going to film it. Yeah, I love the way you're looking at the producer and the, the team behind the glass, Joe and Ed, <laughs> just going, they go, yes, they're nodding, yes, you've got to do it, you're doing it, you're doing it. Um, okay, you come from a big family. Yeah. Um, when was that moment that you realised singing and music was what you were going to do? Because you were, you were polishing. I was polishing cars. Um I can honestly say there's two moments in my childhood that I remember um, that I could sing or, or had, had a sensation about how the sound I was creating. The first moment I was probably, how old was I? Six, seven years old. And my brother, Michael, um, was into classical opera. He was a big fan of... of um, uh, Maria Callas, the soprano, and he used to collect all these operatic records, you know, literally, not the CDs, it was the records back then. And um, he played me a recording of um, this soprano, it wasn't Maria Callas, but he played me this recording and tried to get me to match the pitch of the note that she was singing. And I sang it, and then he said, try and sing a bit higher. So I sang a bit higher, 
and then higher and higher and higher. And I got ridiculously high. And he said to me, I don't know whether it was absolutely true or not, but he said, you've actually beaten the highest recorded note. And I wow. said, and I don't know if that's true. It might have just been winding me up, but um, it at felt six. good to me at six years old. Yeah, six or seven years old. But it felt good to sing like that. It felt good to like scream. I sounded like a obviously a, a soprano voice, you know, boy soprano. But um, it it gave me some sort of encouragement, and and I got, I felt really good about myself and and about singing. And that was the first time it sort of kicked in for me. Um, the second time was when I used to play all the records at home and sing along to them in, in the living room, uh, in the dining room where we, we, we lived in the little council house, but we had a little dining room and a living room. I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But um, I used to sing along to the records that, that my mum and my dad had collected, which included Pavarotti, Elvis... Um, Enrico Caruso, Frank Sinatra, all these, you know, uh, country singers, Jim Reeves. And I used to just belt out these tunes and, and, and sing like crazy. And then I stopped singing at one point and the fruit bowl that my mum had, which was a cut crystal fruit bowl, was still ringing because I'd hit, <gasps> I'd hit the same pitch that that bowl would make. And um, so I stopped singing and this bowl was just ringing like crazy. Oh, and, and, it, and it made me think, wow. What am I doing? And I didn't know how to produce the sound. I didn't know how it was working, but it felt, again, it felt good. Something had sparked off inside me that had given me encouragement to take this further. And um, and, I, and, I, and I did. I just started singing more and more. My mum overheard me and said, you know, you've got a good voice. You should do go, go to amateur dramatics with your sister, you know, and, and, and you need a hobby. So I went... Went one week to amateur dramatics and got as far as the door. Turned around and walked home. I just didn't think that was me. And that, but then the following week, I went in, sat down in the corner, minding my own business. And then the lady who was organising, who ran it, called me over and said, "Would you like to join in this piece of music and sing with the boys?" And I said, "Okay, what what is it?" And she said, "It's Pirates of Penzance." Um, Gilbert and Sullivan and I knew that because my brother had had the record at home so I thought okay I can sing along so they gave me the words and I started singing and all of a sudden I just hit this big old note that stopped everybody and everybody was shocked and and I just felt embarrassed at first and then really good about my ability and from that day on I did more and more amateur shows competitions in Blackpool uh, working men's clubs and just did anything to try and get me closer and closer to my goal of being a professional singer. And I used to write letters all the time and make. Who were you writing to? Um, agents, uh, clubs in in local um, local areas like Blackpool, Manchester. Um, I was auditioning for Opportunity Knocks when that was around. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't get in. But... <laughs> Quite pleased. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was just, I was, I used to get the newspaper, the stage, and television. So I was sort of doing something every single day. Well, how old were you now when you were doing that? I was 16, 17. Uh, and then, and then I, I sort of stopped after that for a while because I'd got a job in a car factory to um, do my apprenticeship. And I thought, well, I'm going to be sensible now. I'm going to do my apprenticeship. I'm not. I'm not going to 
mess around with this music. It's obviously just going to be a hobby. And um, I started working in the garage. And I was earning a ridiculously, I was like 70 pounds a week or something I was on. And I had to pay half of that back for um, going to a day release on for college to do my studies at college. And, 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 um, so there was no singing going on. There was no there. singing going on at all. No, I'd stopped. And I remember riding my bicycle to um, the factory and I was on my way to work and pouring rain in my overalls and I just got this, I, I can't describe it, but it was like a spark inside, this like fire that just ignited and made me want to sing again. It was like, you have to sing you have to get on stage and do another show. And it was playing on my mind all day long, constantly, every minute of the day. And I thought, how can I, how can I make this happen? And what do I need to do? So I went to a friend's house who I knew was into musical theater and, and amateur dramatics. Um, and asked her if there was anybody, any way she knew of that I could join to a cast, you know, to go and do the chorus. And she said, there's a, there's a company in Preston called Preston Musical Comedy Society, come down on Thursday and take part in rehearsals and see, see how you get on. And I did, went down, joined the chorus for a production of West Side Story. And um, all the guys in the, in, the, in the chorus were really um, upset because they'd already cast the role of Tony and Maria to um, the local... Uh, celebrity, the local stars, in, uh, amateur stars in the area, and they wanted. They were upset that they hadn't had the opportunity to audition. So the uh, musical director Philip Woolley said, "Okay, everybody come in. All the boys come in. I'm sick of this. All the boys come in, stand in a line, and we're going to sing the song Maria from West Side Story." So um, we all stood in a line, and uh, in that song, there's two there's an alternative version of singing the middle section, which is repeating the word Maria over and over again. Um, and I'd only heard Jose Carreras' version of that, and with him being an operatic tenor, um, his version is where you just hit a big note and hold it over the phrase where everyone else is uh, repeating the word. So I I did that, so, I'm sing so they're singing like, Maria, 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 Maria. Maria, Maria, and I'm singing like Maria, 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 Maria. So I held this note. Oh, I've just got goosebumps. And <laughs> and, uh, and that's the only version I knew. So I held this note over the over everyone else singing the alternative version. And by the end of me holding the note, everyone else had stopped singing, and it was just me finishing the song. And I didn't I didn't know they'd stopped singing. And then from that, without me really wanting to, I got the role of Tony in that production. <laughs> you just made me cry. As I, that is just such a true, incredible story. So what happened after Tony? Was that well, sort of, that was it? That was Did you pretty, put down your polishing cloth? I did, yeah. I mean, I was I was working in the factory. Um, I was, I'd started having singing lessons with a local guy in Chorley. And... Um, uh, I was still getting the news, these um, newspaper, the stage and television. But one day at work, I was polishing a car, end of the line, 
Um, so I was the last person to sort of like see this car go out of the factory. Um, <clears throat> and um, this guy whose car it was overheard me singing to the radio. What were you saying? What was it? I was singing a Rolling Stones song. It was literally like it was like Honky Tonk Woman or something like that. And it was just a, one of the old songs that I, I grew up listening to. Um, and it was, it was, I was just not singing it out and singing Honky Tonk Woman. And I was hitting these notes. And he said, You've got a good voice. He said, um, You should do something with it. There's a, there's a company in London that are auditioning for their next UK tour. Um, and they're called the Doily Cart Opera Company, and they're a Gilbert and Sullivan Society. So he he knew all this. Yeah, yeah. He was wow. he was he was a seventy year old guy. Must have been in his seventies, um, and was obviously in some way part of the music industry. Um, and I I I tried to track him down, tried to put messages out there, never got anything back. But that was like thirty years ago, mm. so. Um, and he, he, um, he told me about them and he said, you should take a day off work, go down and see how it goes. Um, that's all I'm going to say, take the advice or leave it, you know, and that was it. And then I went for my singing lesson that night and my singing teacher, Lawrence Nunes, uh, mentioned the same thing. He said, there's a, I don't know if you've seen in the newspaper, the state well, of television. randomly, they just said the same yeah. thing. He said, there's a, there's auditions, open auditions for the Doily Cart Opera Company. I think you'd do really well in it. So I, I thought that's two people that have told me about this. And I went home, first page of the newspaper that I opened, the stage and television, <clears throat> huge advert. Doily Cart no, Opera Company. No, not Doily Cart Opera Company. Yeah. Um, open auditions. <gasps> and I thought, I have to do this. I have to do this. So I took a day off work. I spoke to my, spoke to my uh, foreman, Mike Penny, and I said, um, I said, can I take a day off work and go down to London and sing for this company? And he, what, what do you mean singing? What, what do you want to do that for? <laughs> You're on a good wage here, Alfie. You're on a good wage. He said, you don't want to be singing. And and I said, um, I said no, I do, Mike. I really do. He said, well, well, I'll, I'll give you the day off, but you've got to come in that night for to do a night shift to make up your time. So I had to do that. So I went down to London with my like overalls in my bag, um, still with my work boots covered in paint and stuff, <laughs> dressed similar to what I'm wearing now, jeans and a shirt, and um, walked into this theatre, first time ever auditioning. And surrounded by all these opera singers in suits and ties and ball gowns and um and and uh I just thought I'd, I'd borrowed I'd got a piece of music called there was one song that my dad used to sing all the time at home, a song called You Are My Heart's Delight, and it's from a musical called The Land of Smiles, and it's by a composer called Franz Lehar. And he loved that song. So I learned that. I used to hear it in around the house all the time and I learnt it. And um, and I, and I got managed to get the sheet music, an old old piece of sheet music of that piece from the Fleetwood Library, where I'm where I was from, and borrowed it to go down to London. Oh, this, <laughs> this has got to be made into a film. It was crazy. So I borrowed this piece of music from Fleetwood Library, took it down to London with me, walked out onto this empty stage with like just a spotlight on the piano and the area where I was going to sing. Black auditorium, couldn't see a thing. 
and um, handed my music to the um, pianist and and uh, and started singing this song. What's this? Just give us a little bit of that it's, song. Um, it's, it goes, You are my heart's delight And where you are I long to be You make my darkness bright When like a star you shine on me And it's a beautiful, beautiful, oh. romantic gorgeous Viennese song and um, it wasn't until I went to music college that I learnt it in German because that was the original language for it but I sang that song on this stage and after the after I'd finished the, the last big note um, uh, silence and then there was a little voice from the auditorium that said thank you would you would you be willing to come back for a second audition? And and I went, yeah, of course, of course. And then I thought, Mike Penny, my factory's going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to kill me. So I left, and I was just walking through the streets. First major time in London, really. Um, walking back to the station, I was at the Peacock Theatre in the West End. That was where I did my audition. And then I walked it to Euston to jump back on a, on a train. And I was just on cloud nine. Oh. I felt like a million dollars. It was amazing. And and um yeah, it was great. And and I, I got back home, did my night shift, constantly playing on my mind and, and then they contacted me for another to come down again for a second audition, did the same, took a day off work, came down, did my second audition and this the the for my audition, it was it was can you sing us something else other than what you sang? And I said I can do spit a West Side Story for you. So I borrowed the score. Incidentally, I'd taken that music back to the library. Did you take library. it back to the library? <laughs> it back to the library. <laughs> um, and got fifteen pence back because I brought it back early. So that was all right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and and um, um, the. Uh, um, then I sang some West Side Story in my second audition, and the guy said, "Do you know if you're a baritone or a tenor?" I said, "I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I know I can sing some high notes, but I don't know how high." And um, he said, "Well, let's figure that out." So we got on the piano, and he did some scales, and I matched the scale, and then he did another higher scale and matched that. And he was going up and up and up and up until I went past to top C, which is pretty yeah. high for a for a male voice. And um, he said, mm, yeah, I think you're a tenor. That's where we'll put you. So um, I left that audition. And then a week later, I was just sat anxious, waiting for the phone to ring. And eventually one evening, I knew that they were going to call. They'd um, phoned and said, we're going to call you on such and such a time. Um, will you please be in the house? Because there was no mobile phones then. Um, and I said, yeah, <clears throat> sure. And I was sat there with my mum and dad and real anxious and the television television was off and we had this clock in the corner of the room and all I could hear was it's ticking, you know, and it was getting louder and louder. And 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 then all of a sudden the phone rang and I jumped up, everybody jumped, and I ran to the phone. And um it was a guy called Ian Martin who said to me, um, we think you had wonderful auditions, we loved hearing you, and we'd like to offer you a uh, part in the, in the in the chorus of the doily cart to come on tour as <gasps> you. And that was it. And that was the start of my career. <laughs> Alfie, it's just, 
you've got to make the film of this. What what did Mike Penny say? Oh, he was, you know, actually, when I did tell him I was handing my notice in, he um, he was like, I don't know why you're doing this singing laugh, <laughs> this singing stuff. You know, you're on 70 quid a week here. And he said, I don't know why you're doing it. He said, it's ridiculous, Alfie, but... If you know if that's what you want to do, you got to serve your time out though. Work your work your, your time. So I did like another three months at the at the factory before I, I left. Have you? Did you ever hear from him after that? When I came back to Blackpool, he was the front row. Oh, <laughs> how wonderful! <laughs> he was the proudest was person fun. there, and he was a lovely guy. So still miserable, but really lovely. <laughs> Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> do you, I, I mean, all jokes aside, you know, they, they, do, they make films about people's lives. They're just those details of going back to the library and getting the... Yeah. Have you written it and, you as know, a film? You know what? I haven't. I've, I've actually... Um, I can see tried, it on Netflix. I've tried to write a synopsis to make it to make my story a, a sort of into a musical. Um, yes, I'm in the process Easy. of doing that. I'd love that. I just need to try and get a bit of a team around me to. Oh, we can get. We can it. get a team. Can you help me? We, yeah, we got We're a team behind you. Yeah. Look, fantastic. Got, yeah, they're fully on board. <laughs> You've got to do that because it's, it's <coughs> Billy Elliot, but the music. Yeah, you know, it's the, it's the it's yeah. the voice. Um, so your parents were obviously very behind you. The idea of them all sitting there and the clock ticking they, loudly. They, they were, were really proud and behind they, you. They were. I mean, my my dad has always been into his music. My mum's been into music. Um, to give you an example of how supportive my dad was, um, I used to uh, love percussion. I used to love the drums, and so I, I used to listen to a lot of the rock bands like Status Quo and 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 all those guys. And, and such a crossover! I know, real crossover of all the things. But it's all to. it's all in me. All that music. music is yeah, yeah is just in me. And I, because I grew up in a family of nine kids. Um, Everybody had their individual tastes. You know, my brother Joseph was uh, into Elvis Presley. My brother John was into his um, Irish folk music. My brother Michael was into classical. Um, my sister Annie was into country. Teresa was into Kate Bush. 
Pauline was into <laughs> Pauline was into Disney. <laughs> the Di- she had two Disney albums, and she used to sing on the piano. Someday, my prince will oh! come. <laughs> I'm so impressed, not only that you remember their names, but that you remember, remember the music they liked that they liked. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's very impressive. <laughs> my sister and my sister Maria used to uh, dress like Stevie Nicks all the time. She was a big Fleetwood Mac fan. <laughs> so that's so you had music everywhere, everywhere around yeah. you. Though now, so that little boy who went and and took that piece of sheet music to Doily Cart. <laughs> Would he believe that you've got a residency at Vegas and that you're a multi-million <laughs> selling albums and you've been on the West End and on Broadway? No, I don't think. Would he, he? What would he make of it? I don't think he could have seen that happening. But I mean, I was. I always had that. I've always been sort of um, strong with my visions. I've always sort of tried to visualize things, and like I have a concert on Friday at Hyde Park, and. I'm visualizing myself doing it right now, mm. you know, and being right now, what at this second? Well, not at this okay. second in particular. Right. But there. No, I know. Come on, let's do it. So it is, I'm the audience. It is weird though. It is weird. In like in the middle of something, I'll I'll just picture myself on yeah, stage. Yeah, but that's I get yeah. that completely. Get that. So yeah. I'm the audience. You coming out? What do you, what's your opening number? Um, at the moment, I think I'm singing uh, Solo Mio, the oh, okay. uh, the Neapolitan song. Then I've got another song, Tona Sorriento, another Neapolitan song. I don't know. Song. That one, no. Oh, Solo Mio. bello, spira tanto sentimento. Oh, yes. I know you that know one. it, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then I'm then I've got Nessendorma, I think the old No that one. one. Yeah, yeah. At the end. Um and so I'm yeah. You're still three? Uh, four, I think. Oh, another right. one called Chitarra Romana, which is a, a beautiful Neapolitan song called um Guitars of Rome. And it's a yeah, it's a lovely song. My favourite city. Yeah. Oh so did you learn did you, could you sing in all these languages before then? Not as a kid, no, but when I left the doily cart, um I while I was at the doily cart, I was thinking my time there is coming to an end. The, How long the, were you there for? A year. I was oh, with right. them for okay. a full year. Um, we were on the road and, and and the tour was coming to an end. And I was thinking, how how can I um, carry on this? You know, what can I do to continue my career? Um, and so I was, I'd met this guy called Donny Sanderson, wonderful old singer in the company, who was a a uh, well-established opera singer, worked at Royal Opera House, English National Opera, Glyndebourne, everywhere. And um, he said, look, I want you to go and sing to a friend of mine at Covent Garden, a guy called Paul Griffith. And um, um, I did, went down in between, on the days off in between uh, the shows, and um, went to Covent Garden, first time in the building. I was like, wow, this is mm. so, so cool. Met this wonderful fella, Paul Griffith. And he introduced me to another guy called Richard Van Allen. And between the three of them, they got me an audition for the Royal College of Music. And um, at the same time, I'd also got an audition for Phantom of the Opera in the West End um, to play the role of Raoul, um, the young romantic mm. lead. And... Um, I sang to the to uh, the really useful group and Andrew Lloyd Webber and and they offered me the um, role of of Raoul um, and I it was like an under, the understudy and and I thought oh, I could I could do that and then do the chorus as well and um, 
and I thought, well, I, I could go and continue performing or I could go to music college and figure out how my voice works and to learn a bit more or I could go and earn money again or I could go to college. And I decided to go to college. It's a really sensible decision, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's a very tough decision, yeah, but was. sensible because the you were laying down groundwork for what, you know, for years and years of doing what you do. Yeah. Um, I, I, as, as I said at the very beginning, I was singing um, Les Mis, <laughs> and I, I think I, I, lots of people knew who you were, but Les Mis sort of took it to the next level, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. I'd been singing opera for, oh my goodness, 15, 16 years around Europe and England um, in lots of different productions. But then when I... So I'm known as an opera singer for 15, 16 mm. years. I sing one musical, and then everybody thinks you're a musical theatre yeah. singer. You can do it all, though. You can do Why it all? not? Exactly. You don't have to be pigeonholed. Exactly, but, but that was but it. But Les yeah. Mis sort of brought you into the the mind of the, everybody, the public. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was. I, I had made records prior to that. Um, I'd made, I think, three albums in that time. Because while I was at the, I'd I'd got after music college working around all the different opera houses, I'd gained a place at the Royal Opera House as a young artist on the Young Amazing. Artist Programme. Amazing. And that was a place where I thought, I've made it, I'm here yes, at Covent course. Garden. As an opera singer, I'm here. And I hated it. Oh, no! I hated Why it. Why did you hate it? Because the programme that I was on, it had nothing to do with the Royal Opera House, but I was on this young artist programme and it felt very separate from the actual establishment. It was very removed and it was very controlling. Mm. I'd done all my study at the Royal College of Music and the National Opera Studio. I'd got a master's at the National Opera Studio in vocal studies and operatic study. Um, I then went to this young artist programme and what they wanted to do was break you down strip you down and rebuild you into the what the image of what they see as an operatic singer you know and I refused to do that that was not me you know um I think the first the first introduction was by one of the guys who worked there was you're all useless you're all spoiled None of you what? none of you are capable of being here and until you are Oh no 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 you no, know, no you know where the door is. So we had a conversation before yeah. before you were late because you're sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, we were having a conversation about why can't people just be yeah. nice and helpful and supportive. I mean these are young singers who they were trying to break. You don't do that. Down. Why no. break people like that? Yeah. That's horrible. And, and I'm I, pleased that, that yeah. you got through that. Well actually. luckily, you know, and, and I have to say, I have to clarify that that had nothing to do with the Royal Opera House because when I actually went to the head of the Royal Opera House to tell them that I was leaving, they were thrilled for me, for the opportunity that came along, for me to go and do that. They said, well, Alfie, we can't stop you from doing that. That's amazing what's coming along. Yeah. said, we, we're going to miss you like crazy because the connection, the communication between the Young Artist Programme and the Royal Opera House was se was non-existent. Right, so they're you know, separate. So it was very, very separate. So, so yeah, so so <coughs> Les Mis brought you into the the public dom domain, and everybody, you know, I, I, I know everywhere you go, people say, "Will you sing? Bring sing. him home!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it on uh, in interviews when I was doing my research, and 
and you know everybody wants that and it is a stunning version yours i love Thank it you. and i've Thank seen you. you do it live on stage i think twice um uh but but then we have to talk about him. I mean, we can't not <laughs> talk about him because then you got all the. So you were doing lots of TV, million yeah. millions of albums sold. Um, you're on Broadway. You're doing all this, and then suddenly this. I, I can't quite remember his first name. Somebody Ball. What's his name? Bobby. Bobby Ball. Yeah. 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 Alfie Bow and Bobby, Bobby Ball. Ball. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you and Michael then got together. Yes. Um, uh, he's been on this podcast. I've known. He's much older than I am. He trained at the same place. Right. Much older than I am. Um, but, but, and it, suddenly there's a whole new audience again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, me and Michael um, teamed up. Well, first of all, we did this ridiculous um, uh, production of Kismet, the musical, the old borrowed in music. It was fab fabulous music, but terrible terrible show it was awful <laughs> don't mince your words just it was say awful. how you feel yeah, <laughs> the director fell out with the choreographer from day one and so the choreographer was plotting these amazing dance routines but to get back at him the director literally stood the male chorus of english national opera big guys in a line at the front of the stage to block all the dancing no! that was going on behind <laughs> on every dance routine. They fell out like crazy. He couldn't stick around. He just had enough. So he left before he'd finished plotting the show. So we were like halfway through the second act. And this is what you and Michael are doing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, this is what we're, Michael's in the lead. I'm playing the, the juvenile young lead. and Because and, and, um, you're much younger than I'm, Michael. I'm I'll always be much. younger than Michael Paul. <laughs> much younger. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and so pretty much me and Michael teamed up and plotted the rest of the show, did the, you know, choreographed and plotted the rest of, of the production. Um, and that's where we really sort of, hit it off you know we got on really well um we then he then we that that production was awful but it was so bad people wanted to see how bad it was <laughs> so it sold out every night <laughs> and at that time i have a lot to thank michael for but at that time michael had been asked to sing the role of jean valjean for the 25th anniversary of les miserables and he said to Cameron, he said, Cameron, that's a lovely off, lovely of you to offer, but um, I don't think that's my role. But I want you to come and see somebody who I think it is. You know. <gasps> lovely. That's and, good. And, that's kind. And he said, come and meet this guy. Come and see this guy, Alfie Bow. I'm in kismet with him. Come and see the show anyway, because it's awful. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, Cameron came along, saw how bad the show was, but sort of heard me sing and um and then I was living in Woodstock over in Oxfordshire at the time digging my garden planting some lavender plants that was it I remember distinctly and uh, my daughter was three years old my little girl Gracie and um a beautiful sunny day and I got this phone call from uh, Cameron McIntosh's office saying could you take a call from Cameron and I said yeah of course no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Why do I, why do I want to do that? And he offered me, he said, would, you, would I come in and sing to the composer and the directors of Les Miserables um, with a view to you potentially playing the role of Jean Valjean in, in the 25th anniversary? 
So I do that. Came into town, sang to Claude Michel Schoenberg and Alan. Oh Wood-Wheel. my word! And, them. Uh, yeah, and um, and uh, it was and it it was uh, incredible. I was just loved every single minute, and the the music was just hitting me like it's mad. Beautiful. And the story, it is beautiful. And the character, and um. Tell you a secret. Actually, I I I went to the audition to sing "Bring Him Home," and uh, stood in front of Claude Michel Schoenberg, and and he was on piano, and I, and I said to him, you know, I, this is a difficult song to sing. It's it's got a real floaty high note, and be, being an opera singer, um, to sing those sort of notes, you still have to engage your voice to make it carry into an auditorium because we don't use microphones. Mm. Um, so you have to make that uh, audible pitch for the listener to hear it. But in musical theatre, you don't have to do that. So um, um, because you've got a microphone right there and so it'll pick it up. So in opera, when you're rehearsing an opera, you do this thing called marking. So we'll be singing something like um, <clears throat> the beginning of La Boheme. Uh, which is you know, and, and that's on the voice. But if we want to mark it to save the voice, we'll go and that's marking. Right. And that's the quality that I sing Bring Him Home in. So oh, like, you do, you're marking. I'm marking. So that's what I sing Bring Him Home in that sort of voice. So it's God on high, hear my prime, my need, you have always been there. And that's it. Bring him home. And it's it's marking. It's the oh, it it's goosebumps the, every the, time. <laughs> every time. It, it's the operatic way of, of, of saving your voice. So yeah. so uh, Alfie, honestly, so this podcast is um reasons to be joyful. Hand on heart, I am blessed that I have you in my life because oh. you bring joy. <laughs> just your smile and your aura, you are just a joyful being. Oh, bless and you. and your kids are blessed to have you as their dad, and I know you love them so dearly, but you are full of joy, and thank you so much for being on this. And will you just reply when I do this? Okay. okay. Um, at last, Valjean... We see each other plain, Monsieur Le Maire. You'll wear a different chain. Before you say another word, Javert, before you chain me up like a slave again, listen to me, there's something I must do. Day mate! Year mate! Life mate! I was was scrambling for the words. It's been so long since I sang it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.